Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't super nervous for tonight, but aren't we glad that we have a Lord who, in which we can find peace always. Um, would you please turn your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Matthew? We'll be reading Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, um, verses 13 to 16. And it says here in verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your, your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So a couple of weeks back, um, I was just browsing through social media as one does, and I came across this video of a preacher giving out um, an illustration. And in this illustration, he brought forth two packages. One was a packet of Oreos, blue, branded, everything, um, and the other was just a brown paper bag, still full of Oreos, but still with their differences. Now he went to his audience and he asked them, if you're in a store, out of these two, which one would you go for? Now unanimously everyone said they'd go for the branded um, packet of Oreos. And in doing this, he brought up an important point of how important something so simple as packaging could be. See, this one simple piece of packaging, this one thin piece of plastic, um, could make you want this one item so much more than the other. And see, this creates an effect that also works within us as Christians. See, the world doesn't know God, but we know so many unsaved souls who know you. See, the, some in the world have never met Jesus, but they have met you. See, in the end of this video, um, the preacher put forth this question that's just resonated with me ever since. He simply asked, would knowing you make someone else want to know Jesus Christ? Would knowing you make someone else want to know Jesus Christ? See, when I heard this, I was taken back because I know in my life I have so many unsafe friends and family members, relatives, colleagues and such who know me as their Christian friend and see the example that I put forth for them. And it just made me sort of reflect and take a step back and just wonder, that relationship that I've built, does it bring them closer and want to know who my Lord and Savior is. So the title of my message tonight is simply this, Seeing Him Through You. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you're just an amazing, wonderful God, Lord, who we can serve and bring glory to and just know that um, we can always rely on you, Lord, and that you're always looking out for us, Lord. I pray as tonight that me, as me and these other men bring forth your word, Lord, that you'll just calm our nerves, Lord, and just speak through us, Lord. Speak the messages that you've put on our hearts, Lord. I know that's not of us, it's, it's of your power, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless the rest of tonight, Lord, and just um, give us clarity of thought as we go through the scriptures, Lord, tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So to give you a bit of context... Um, with this portion of scripture. Um, this passage is found in Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. 
So this event occurred early in his public ministry, um, as we see in the previous chapters. So in the previous chapters of Matthew, we see um, Jesus in his public ministry presenting the kingdom of heaven, which was foretold long ago to be given to the line of David. Now, throughout his ministries, um, a multitude started to gather of followers who were intrigued and began to follow him all um, throughout where he went. And in this chapter, chapter 5, he goes into a mountain with his disciples. And as he sees, he sees the multitude following, he begins speaking this sermon. Now, it's important to note that this sermon was not written for unsaved souls. Instead, it was for his followers and for um, those who have come to know salvation. The sermon was um, not written as an outreach message, but instead was written to help the growth of us as um, believers. The sermon here was initially intended for his disciples, so it was supposed to be an intimate talk with Jesus and his disciples. However, with the multitude following, there are a few that would come through and start to listen to the sermon as well. Now, the underlying principle is that this sermon is for us who are saved, and if you're not saved, just know that there is a God who loves you and who sent his son to die on the cross for your sins because he knew the wages of sins was death, and that us as human beings, us as flesh, we could not hold it and bear that burden alone. And so, in this sermon um, that is written to us as saved people, it demonstrates how us as Christians must live, especially going on, coming underneath the new laws and constitutions of the new kingdom to come. And us as Christians, we are heirs to this kingdom. And as such, we must endeavor to live as closely to the Lord as possible. Now, this passage comes early in the sermon and details, this portion of the scriptures details how we, as Christians, must be like Christ. So the question's put forth, what must we, well, <laughs> what must we do in order for others to see him through us? Now, firstly, we must be the salt. And what do, you may ask, what do I mean by the salt? By being the salt, I'm referring to our own personal walks with the Lord, our own personal relationship that we have with God, and making sure that is a genuine and real relationship that we have with Him. See, in verse 13, it begins by stating, Ye are the salt of the earth. Now, what is the purpose of salt? Salt, firstly, can be used to season. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? Salt needs to have a savour, a distinction, a difference to be of good use. See, when we have this distinction, we need to um, ensure that we... Let me catch my breath. In being the salt of the earth, we are of no good use if we do not have this distinction. Romans 12, 1-2 says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the question stands, what is this difference? Well, for us as believers who must be the salt, we must not conform to this world but instead be a new creature and be transformed. See, being not conforming to this world shows a dis that distinction, that difference, that our savour that we require 
in being the salt and having our relationship with the Lord. See, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we've come to know salvation, being um, newly born again Christians, we ought to act a different way. We ought to be um, different. There ought to be a difference between a lost soul living in sin and living after the flesh and one saved follower of God, one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. We heard it um, preached this morning by Pastor EJ, being a Christian who believes and lives without compromise. We have that purpose set forth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness shall be added unto you. I'm paraphrasing, sorry. And we have those principles that we ought to have in being a Christian. And in being that, we need to hold strong to those. Verse 13 says again, But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. In us trying to be that salt, we require that savour, unless we want to be counted good for nothing. So firstly, in being salt, we need to... Salt can be used to season. In such, a, in such an environment of darkness and sin... We have to be that salt that comes through, that makes that difference, that makes that influence um, in living for righteousness for God. Also, being salt, we can be used to preserve. See, in the olden times, salt was used as a preservation device in order to avoid things from um, coming to corruption and preserving them from corruption. Similarly, for us as Christians, being that salt we need to be able to preserve ourselves from sin and corruption. Second Corinthians seven one says, "Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God." Romans six six to seven says, "Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that in the body of sin we might, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead." is freed from sin. As salt, we must endeavor to keep our purity and avoid falling into sin and temptation. See, in us being Christians, we are already dead to sin. We are free to sin. In accepting Jesus Christ, we are no longer bound to that body of sin. That body of sin has been destroyed, and we can keep our preservation as a salt and keep our purity and seek and endeavor to avoid falling into sin and temptation. We all know Romans 6, 1-2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now how do we preserve ourselves as a salt? By simply doing this. By walking with him daily and having a relationship with God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, in having our daily communion with him, in having our... In being stuck in his word, in praying to him, in being in service to him, we build up this relationship and this closeness with the Lord. And as we study, um, as we study further in his word, we see and we can, um, we can prove to ourselves as workmanship that is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I ask you this, how is your walk with the Lord? Are you being the salt or have you lost your savor? Secondly, not only must we be the salt, but we also must be the light. Verse 14 to 16 of Matthew chapter 5 says, 
Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So previously we talked about the salt and talking about our inward personal relationship with God. Now being the light, this is our outward example and being an example of the faith. See, the purpose of light is that light is meant to shine. Light is meant to shine out and give out, um, especially where there is darkness. Now in being the light, we need to bring glory to God. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, in being the light and being an example of the faith in how we live our life, we need to always be mindful that we have to be bringing glory to God. Now, there are two types of light that's mentioned here. Firstly, you have the light on the hill. You have the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. This light proclaims the gospel in the places that it needs most, that needs it most. The light on the hill is the soul winner, the witness, the one who will storm the gates of hell trying to save lost souls from sin. Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, in being that example of the faith, we need to reach out to the lost souls out there. There's 7 billion people in this world and so many who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Every single one of us are given daily different opportunities to see other people, see um, souls one for Christ. Each of us know different people and we may be their only point of contact when it comes to Christianity. We may be their one and only opportunity to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And who are we to deny them that opportunity to come to salvation? See, in being that light on the hill, we need to um, seize every opportunity we have to go and spread the gospel out and to take, out the, take those opportunities to win souls to Christ. Romans 10:14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they not hear without a preacher? In being a light for the Lord, we ought to come from a place of love. So in being the light, we need to be shining out that um, gospel message to help win souls to Christ. But in doing that, we have to make sure that we're coming from a sincere um, point. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. See, as we shine for the Lord, we must come from a place of sincerity and charity. We can't come off from a place of anger when we're trying to win souls for the Lord. See, remember, here in his love, not that we love God, but God first loved us. And isn't that a love that we should be sharing with the rest of the world? Amen. Now, in being that light, not only is it winning souls, but also being a friend. As we all know, charity never faileth, and that also comes in, when, in our way of life. See, actions speak louder than words. We can tell them all that we know about God. We can tell them all. We can recite them Bible front to back. We can tell them all the doctrinal truths. But taking that next step and trying to be a friend to them and winning their soul to Christ 
that speaks way louder. So first we have the light on the hill, and second we have the light in the house. Verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So contrast, we firstly had the light on the hill, the soul winner, the one who's reaching out to the lost souls out in the world and bringing them in. And here, contrastly, we have the light in the house, the light for the fellow believers. See, this light shines just as bright as the light in the house. However, this light shines in order to encourage and uplift their fellow brethren in Christ. This light will give light to all those within the house, within the family of God. In doing so, we are able to build each other up and help each other grow in our relationship with the Lord. Proverbs 27, 17, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Aren't we fortunate enough to not be alone in this walk for the Lord? Aren't we just blessed to have godly friends who can help each other and who we can help too? Ecclesiastes 4, 9-10 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. See, as we endeavor and continue in our walk with the Lord and living for him and being that light, we ought to help each other out as well. See, in being that light in the house, we ought to build each other up and help each other and not tear each other down. So in being the light, we are being that example of the faith. Not only are we going out there to reach souls, but we're also here helping the brethren. So in conclusion, if we want to see others, if we want others to see Christ through us, we need to be both the salt and the light. See, the salt is important because that provides us with the basis in order to have a sincere heart in our relationship with the Lord and be able to reach souls for him. And then in being the light, we're able to help each other out. We're able to bring those in. We're able to help build each other up. See, one does not work without the other. We cannot be bringing people in to the Lord if we don't, have, we don't know the Lord ourselves. And we can't be spreading out the good news if we don't know him. So I ask again, as we self-evaluate and just reflect on our own lives and how we live day to day, would knowing you make someone else want to know Jesus Christ? Are you being the salt or have you lost your savor? Are you being the light or has your, um, are you still shining bright or have you just dimmed out? So in seeking other, so as we hope others seeing the Lord through us, we need to reflect on ourselves and see how we're living our lives. Make sure that it's pleasing to the Lord.